All right, ready? Here we go. We just start like we're all just had a joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey there, welcome back to the Friends You Can Grow With podcast. I am Matt Nespri. I'm Casey Placencia. And here with us today is our special guest, Dwayne Reiner. Dwayne, I've worked with you for a while, so I know a little bit about you, but why don't you let the other people know just a bit about who you are, maybe what you've done ministry-wise? All right. Well, I've been in ministry for almost 25 years. I've been at the art for almost 13. So most of the time here, I've been working in the kids ministry, writing curriculum for the kids. But then I also teach classes here and sometimes preach. So that's uh, been my main focus. But I love studying God's word. So I uh, had a, a good time doing that. So that's what I mostly focus on is teaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um like you said, you work with kids primarily now, which is where I know you, but um, you, you've done a lot of teaching. You've spoke from main stage, you've taught classes, and, and that's why we're so excited to have you as a guest today, because we're going to be diving deep into one of the classes you've taught before, which is about the Word of God itself, the Bible. Right. We're going to talk about how to study the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, so a lot of people think when they approach the Bible, especially if they're new to church or something, they just assume you just open the Bible and you just start reading mm -hmm. and you'll automatically understand everything mm -hmm. that's in there. And I don't want to discount that the Holy Spirit does help us mm -hmm. when we're reading the Bible, but there is uh, things we can do to help us understand it better. And I like to use this illustration. So Casey, how old are you? 19. Perfect. 19. So I'm going to give you a couple of references from songs. And I want you to tell me what they mean. Oh, this will okay? be good. Again. So there's a, there's a song. And in the lyrics, it says, if you're going to San Francisco, be sure to wear a flower in your hair. What does that reference mean? Don't know. Any idea? Mm. Matt, you're slightly more mature. Do you know? You might know. In you age like only. Is this about the Vietnam War protests? Well, it's definitely in that era. The hippie movement? Hippie movement, okay. yeah. Mm. So that was a flower child. That's what the hippies were called mm -hmm. in the 60s. They were, and if you're going to California, it meant you were going to San Francisco, where Berkeley was, you know, and that's where mm. the hippie movement, mm. they all kind of congregated there at Asbury Park. Mm -hmm. They did that. Um, so they all kind of went there. Is that was the name of the park? I remember, something like that. It's one of those parks. Yeah, but it's it something park. like that yeah. in case... The, the comments section can correct me on this yeah. one in case I was wrong, but it's some, yeah. the park there. Okay. So that's one of them. Okay. There's a, uh, there's another one that is a pretty good one that I think is pretty interesting. It says if, um, it's a song that they sing Beachwood four, five, seven, eight, nine. Uh, and this is, I forget the exact lyrics, but you can call me up any time. What does Beachwood four, five, seven, eight, nine mean? I don't know. No idea. <laughs> no idea. Okay. So basically- I, of course, know, but you, you can do. go ahead. Yes. Well, you grew up on a party line. In the, yes, I did. In the backwoods of Missouri. Yes. So <laughs> the uh, uh, Beachwood 45789. So basically, they used to have these things called registries, and that was actually the phone number. Mm. You would actually call, get talk to the person and request mm. that thing, and that's how you would get to that person's line. Hmm. So would you have ever thought that? No. Okay. So the, um, do you, do you know what it means to get the song that says, get your kicks on route 66? I don't know. Some shoes. 
<laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I have no is, idea. I could do this all day. Yeah. This is so the uh, so Route 66, the, the, that was the road really before the interstate travel. Uh-huh. Yeah. The interstate. That's how you got west. Mm-hmm. So you get your kicks on Route 66. So that meant you were mm-hmm. traveling out to out west. It was right after mm. the Oregon Trail. <laughs> In the same vein. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There was also, okay, one final one. There was a, um, there was a song, Jim Croce said, mm-hmm. uh, operator, can you help me make this call? Mm-hmm. Why would, do you know why he, what he would, why he would sing that line? Have you mm-hmm. ever, have you ever talked to an operator on a phone before? No. Did you know that used to you could talk to the operator and have them connect you to somebody? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But it's like That's, a historical yeah. fact for you, right? You've mm-hmm. only heard about it in yeah. history. So here's what I'm trying to explain with all that. Okay, so those songs were written, what, like but around 50, 60 yeah. years ago? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I had to explain to you what the references mm-hmm. meant. The Bible was written somewhere between about 2000 to 4,000 years ago, depending on what book we're reading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why would we expect that we wouldn't need someone to help us understand the references? Mm-hmm. Right. Why would we expect? Because they use the same, they language still had some very, some similarities to what we do now. You had figures of speech, mm-hmm. you have dates, you have places, you have modes of operation. You had things that people did that don't match with what we have. Mm-hmm. Like you have all these references to places that don't exist, people mm-hmm. who don't exist from history, ways of doing things that we don't do. So when we talk about why do we study the Bible, it's because we get so much more out of it when we actually understand the figures of speech, what they're talking about, who mm-hmm. they're talking about, why they're talking about it. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we say you just don't open it up and you immediately understand every single thing that's there. Mm-hmm. And so if you put some... If you put some effort into actually learning how to study the Bible, you can actually get so much more out of it. A lot of times people are like, I have no idea. I just opened it up. I have no idea what I'm reading. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times it's because they're, they're just reading a passage, but not understanding all of the, the, the um, details that are in Mm -hmm. there that actually bring it to life. And it really doesn't take, you don't have to go to college and spend four years and doing all this to understand it. It's just some simple tools and um, simple resources that can help you get so much more out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think I love that game we played at the beginning. Um, does it help us understand the Bible better if we understand the context in which it was written and how it came into the form we know it as now? Well, yeah, because basically what you want to do when you're beginning to study the Bible is when you sit down to read a book, any of them, you want to understand, first of all, you want to kind of have an idea who, who wrote it? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we do know, sometimes we don't. There's some that we're not sure of. Mm-hmm. But you, if you can know it, it's good to know that. Mm-hmm. You also want to try to know who it was written to. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so sometimes it's explicitly stated. Sometimes we can just infer it based on what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also we want to have an idea of why it was written to those people. Mm-hmm. So Somebody said it this way, and at first time I heard this <clears throat> statement, it really threw me off. It kind of made me like kind of jump back a little bit like, wait a second. I don't know about that. So one of the scholars said the Bible was not written to you. And that was the that Mm -hmm. that really kind of surprised me. Wait a second. What? Mm -hmm. Of course it was. Right. It's God's word. 
But he said it this way, the Bible wasn't written to you, but it was written for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So everything in the Bible is written for our good, for our learning, for our growth, but none of it was written to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. None of the Bible was written to mm -hmm. 21st century America. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was written to people who lived in the first century Roman world or in the Jewish world mm -hmm. uh, that predated that in the Old Testament. So you have to start by saying, so you want to find out why it was written, who it was written to, and what were their con what was their what was going on in their lives that would have precipitated this needing to be written to them, mm -hmm. and how did it help them with that? And then what you do is you draw from that. How does it now help me? Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about the distinction about the Bible being written for you, but not necessarily to you? Where do we see kind of the nuance of that worked out? Well, you can see it kind of in. Um, really in every situation. Okay. So one thing that happens sometimes you have certain, sometimes certain denominations, or you'll have certain ministries that will try to take things written in the old Testament mm -hmm. directly to the Jewish people and try to apply it to us mm -hmm. as if we're somehow beholden to those same exact things mm -hmm. as if we were under the law or as if we were um, under the Jewish regulations. And that was not the intention. It was written to those people to teach them. But what do then we draw from that hmm. that helps us to say, okay, if God was speaking that to them about the covenant or promise he had made to them, mm -hmm. what does that say about his relationship to me now? Hmm. What yeah. does that teach me about how I should approach God? And so that then helps you to, to think about that. All of the letters that Paul wrote, none of them were written to us. They mm -hmm. were written to Christians living in a specific time and place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But how do their issues now relate to our issues? Because the oh, funny thing yeah. is a lot of their church problems are very relatable to the church problems we have today mm -hmm. or the problems individuals have today living in a world. So we often say to ourselves, like, uh, the world is so bad. Man, I can't believe how bad the world's getting. Can you believe this? I mean, God can't let this keep going on forever. Mm -hmm. Have you read the Old Testament and the New Testament? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was yeah. just as bad, yeah, if not worse. Yeah. It yeah. was not a great time to live. And Paul was teaching them how to live within a very hostile uh, culture, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a culture that on two sides hated Christianity. <laughs> the, yeah. the religious people, the, the Jewish culture mm -hmm. hated them and the Roman world hated them. In fact, mm -hmm. the Roman world considered them pagans mm -hmm. or yeah. atheists. Sorry. Mm -hmm. yeah. They considered them atheists because they denied the existence of Roman gods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they were considered the atheist of the world. Yeah. Um, and so Paul was saying, Here's how you operate within this hostile culture. Was that not applicable to today? Mm -hmm. See, if we stop saying how bad it must be today and how uh, it's just got to end because it can't get any worse than this, instead of approaching it from that way, if we actually look at the Bible and say, well, what did God say to people who are living in just as bad, if not worse, a culture than mm -hmm. we are? Mm -hmm. And how did he tell them to approach life? Hmm. Now, what does that say to how, now, how do I apply that to my daily life? See how the, the mm. value of understanding the culture, the yeah. context, the writing, who they were written to, why it was written now gives you much more information about how to apply it to your life instead yeah. of just reading this words and saying, okay, well, that's great words. Mm -hmm. But now you're saying, or taking something like is the old Testament and applying something to yourself in a way that God never intended you to apply that, mm -hmm. to apply it that way. Yeah. Um, I know I've seen that can get pretty off the rails when you take scriptures out of context mm -hmm. or, or particularly it, it gets muddy with the Old Testament. Um, if you take, like you were saying, 
things written about a certain time period or certain people and try to apply them to your life. So how, how can we know, how can we dive in and know, okay, this was written to uh, historical people and while it applied to them specifically, how do I find the nugget that can apply to me? Well, so one thing that can help is, and we can get into a lot of the details of this, but you know, there's nothing wrong with using resources mm -hmm. to help you. You know, one of the things in the New Testament, Paul talks about the different giftings that were given to the church where you have pastors and apostles. And, but one of the things is teachers. Mm. And so teaching is a spiritual gift. So if there's someone who has created a resource, but, you know, you have to vet that person. So meaning you want to know that that person believes the Bible. Mm -hmm. You want to know that that person loves the Lord, yeah. that they follow Jesus. I mean, so you got to be careful with what resource you're using. Yeah. You know, if you don't want to use something because there are unfortunately books of <clears throat> theology and Bible study written by atheists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't want to read that kind of book because mm -hmm. they're not approaching it from the way that's going to be beneficial to us. But if you do find someone, a resource like that, that can be invaluable because those people have been gifted by the Lord and they have the time to invest and to study in the history to where they can better understand some of the nuances that we mm -hmm. miss because mm -hmm. we just don't have enough time. Yeah. We're dealing with work, kids, school, kids activities, and we're, you know, we're, we're squeezing in that Bible time as best we can. And we're mm -hmm. trying to do it, but we don't have time to sit there and go through all the ex other data yeah. that would help us, but a resource like a commentary or, or, or like a, a devotional Bible study thing can actually mm -hmm. help you to find out those little nuances that can lead you in the right direction to be able to make better application to that. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any tips about how to find those resources, some good places to look, maybe some good podcasts to listen to? Um, like, like the friends you can grow with podcast. <laughs> well, that that one does come to mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There but are, how do you go about finding those resources? And as you said, vetting those resources. Well, most people will reveal what they believe through either they'll put it directly on their website. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can see a lot by what they post on social media. I mean that that will tell you a lot about a person. Mm -hmm. um, like also too, just uh, often their websites will have statements of faith. So you should read that. Too many people just make an assumption. Well, someone's talking about the Bible. They must be okay. Mm. It's like, that may not be, that may not be the case. Mm -hmm. um, so like, I mean, for instance, this is just one that comes to mind. There's, there's a podcast I listen to. It's the Ask N.T. Wright Anything podcast. Mm. That's a guy who's a, he's an Anglican bishop, but he's, um, when you look at his statement of faith, it's very solid. Mm -hmm. He's someone who has consistently taught the Bible in its context and he loves the Lord. <clears throat> So for me, that's someone like, oh, I want to listen to that. I can learn something. And I have learned a lot by listening to him. And there's plenty of others like that. So you just want to make sure that you really look behind the veil. Okay, what? Is, okay, I get that they're talking about the Bible, but who is this person? Mm -hmm. What do they actually believe? And mm -hmm. if their beliefs are not biblical, it doesn't mean that you're going to agree with every single person on every single point of the Bible. Mm -hmm. But there should be certain points that are non-negotiables. Is Jesus the son of God, that's a non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. Did he die for our sins and come back to life? Bodily resurrection, that's a non-negotiable. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Will Jesus one day return so that we can live with him forever in a new heaven and a new earth? That's a non-negotiable. Um, you know, those are the kinds of things we're talking about. You want to, to make sure there's certain things that you're like, okay, if you don't believe this, I'm not going to listen to you because mm -hmm. it's just not worth my time. 
but there's finer points of of theology where you know like denominations may disagree about or churches may disagree about these different points of of how church works or or maybe some other elements but you can be you can still get something with that person even if you disagree with them mm-hmm. on that element but you want to make sure there's certain main points that you're always sticking to that that you never compromise on mm-hmm. yeah and in this age of I did my own research or, or I right. looked into it for myself. Right. I think it's healthy to remind people um, that it's good to rely on experts, you know, because a while ago, the Bible wasn't in, even in language we could read. Everyone had to rely on an expert to, right. to get the Bible in any form. And that actually hurt a lot of people mm. because not everyone was taught correctly back in the day. So I mean, this, <clears throat> let's get into the Bible itself, like mm-hmm. to actually maybe understand how we got our Bible, mm-hmm. because yeah. I think that might help us a little bit with even kind of just understanding all of this and kind of getting into maybe some misconceptions people have about the Bible, mm-hmm. especially if you're new to being a Christian. It's mm-hmm. like a lot of people tend to think, well, I get my Bible, put it out. <laughs> this is one book. It mm-hmm. was descended from heaven yes. on golden tablets in, in leather bound <laughs> and then we, the edges gold and we read reason. it and yeah. that was it. And that's actually not the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's the thing that you kind of have to you have to dispel that misconception because people have um, misunderstood the nature of the Bible. In fact, that's one of the things that's really see, I think that's one of the things that makes understanding and I think trusting our Bible much better than trusting than what other religions trust, mm-hmm. like Mormonism, for mm-hmm. instance. <laughs> they teach that. Uh, Joseph Smith found golden tablets that only he could decipher in a hat and well that's what he had to do when yeah. apparently lost the golden well, tablets it happens. so then he had to do this okay so does that seem that seems a little far-fetched right that a seems fishy. a little bit like only one person has the knowledge yeah. mm-hmm. so then it's like well can we trust that but the Bible much different the actual Bible mm-hmm. the Quran you know that I don't know a lot of people don't know this but at one point they lost the Quran so someone else put it back together, mm-hmm. supposedly, according to what they thought was correct. So they right. don't even know for sure that they have the original, the, right. the original yeah. word. So the Bible is much different. So the Bible was written over the course of about 14, 1500 years mm-hmm. by about 40 different authors. Hmm. So it's not one book. It's really, they call it the Bible, Biblos. It's basically a library, mm-hmm. 66 individual books. But the beauty of it is it tells one cohesive story. Mm-hmm. That's what, one of the things that really is the hallmarks of its reliability is the fact that over the course of 14, 1500 years and the course of multitudes of writers writing in different locations, mm. it was still able to tell one story of God. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that's, that's important to remember too, is that with that, we have, we may not have the originals, but mm-hmm. we have tons of copies Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so like there's a a history of the gallic wars by julius caesar it's used by historians to to go back and study the time of the roman conquest Mm -hmm. of uh gaul which Mm -hmm. i think was france okay so how many copies do you think exist in history that they can use because they use it as a reliable you know somewhat reliable resource Mm -hmm. how many copies do you think they have casey Mm. take a wild guess 15. That is a wild guess. (laughs) It was actually less than that, six. Oh, wow. Six copies. How many copies of the New Testament do you think there are ranging from 
the earliest goes all the way back to within about a hundred years of Jesus's death. How many copies do you think might be? Now these include fragments too, but how many copies do you think are there? I have no idea. Like a ton. <laughs> Over 5,000. Wow. There's no other historical book in the world with as many um, copies mm -hmm. available as the Bible. Mm -hmm. Wow. So the Bible, and some people are like, and okay, and so with that, there are little variations between the sometimes different ones. And some people will use that and say, okay, so there we go. We know the Bible is not reliable because there's all these errors in it, mm -hmm. but that's not true. So here's the interesting mm -hmm. thing. There's 5,000 copies. It's not all the same variances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, is there's way more agreement. So what you look at the course of all the 5,000 fragments mm -hmm. and copies, full copies and mm -hmm. stuff, you look at them and what you see is you're able to, to see, oh, oh, they were actually, you know, 3,000 of the copies say the same thing. This makes more yeah. sense. Mm -hmm. So we're able to actually get rid of the mm. errors so that there's no major point of theology. Now, you may not believe that Jesus is God. Mm -hmm. You may not believe he died on the cross for our sins, but you cannot argue that the writers of the New Testament didn't teach that mm -hmm. because it's yeah. clear as day in the copies. It's all there. And you can we can reliably say every major point of theology is 100% verifiable in the Bible. Whether mm -hmm. you believe it, that's the choice you have to make. Right. But you can't deny it didn't exist yeah. in the Bible originally written. Yeah. In fact, most even the atheist scholars who used to argue, well, the Bible was written really late after Jesus, they've even had to give up that mm -hmm. argument because the evidence doesn't yeah. support it. In fact, the evidence supports that the gospels were written within as, as early as as maybe 20 or 30 years of Jesus' death. Hmm. Okay. So now if someone wrote a so we read books now written by people about World War II, mm -hmm. and now we're talking what seventy plus years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't have a problem with that. Right, yeah. we consider those reliable accounts. The Gospels were written the same way within a time frame even less than that. Mm -hmm. So people could have verified or denied if those things weren't true. Here's the other interesting mm -hmm. thing: parchments back in the day were not disposed of quickly. Mm -hmm. They, I mean, because they were expensive. In fact. When Paul wrote the book of Romans, it would have been the equivalent of cost-wise of buying a car. Hmm. That's how much it cost him to create that. Hmm. So they weren't cheap and they were valuable. And so the originals were kept in circulation. Some people believe for hundreds of years until they finally wore out. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that means all of these copies, which have tons of copies within the first three to three or 400 years of the Christian church, mm -hmm. they were around at a time when the originals were still being used. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. easy to compare them to the originals. Yeah. So we have way more evidence that the Bible is accurate to what it is. Old mm -hmm. Testament. So for the longest time, the Old Testament was a little more challenging because our copies were much older. Like mm -hmm. the earliest ones we had were in the medieval times. Mm -hmm. So people were a little bit concerned. Did we have something that was original? Here's what's interesting. Remember hearing about the Dead Sea Scrolls? Mm -hmm. Okay. So Dead Sea Scrolls were a bunch of writings by Jewish teachers. But here's the interesting thing. When they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they also found an almost complete copy of the book of Isaiah. Hmm. Oh, wow. When they compared the book of Isaiah to the medieval copies that we had, mm -hmm. it matched up word for word. Wow. wow. So that's the thing. The copyist in the Old and New Testament times, the scribes, were extremely detailed. Mm -hmm. They took, it was a craft. It wasn't a hobby. These were people who did this for a living. They took it very seriously. Yeah. They weren't going through and just willy-nilly changing things mm -hmm. because they wanted to. And yeah. they weren't 
ignorant and they weren't sloppy. Mm -hmm. They were as detailed as any of us could ever hope to be. Mm -hmm. And they would copy with extreme um, adherence to what they were, were, were copying yeah. from. So when we talk about the Bible, you may not believe what the Bible says. You cannot deny that the Bible, that what we have is not what, what was intended for mm -hmm. us to read. Mm -hmm. It was definitely there. And so yeah. when we say you can read the Bible, we say it's reliable in the sense that you know, from my perspective, obviously it's reliable because I believe it to be God's word. Mm -hmm. But I also believe it reliable in the sense that I'm reading the same things that Paul, that the early Christians were reading. From yeah. 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 And so how did we arrive at these 66 books? How did we pick them? Because I noticed some books didn't make the cut. There's no Dr. Seuss. There, <laughs> there is no cat in the hat. Um, so how did we arrive at these 66 books being the ones in the Bible? So that's the big, uh, that's the big point of confusion that a lot of people who try to discredit the Bible, they try to use this as an argument against it. Mm. So they'll say, well, look, the Bible is just a man-made book. It was picked by the Roman emperor Constantine, uh, in order to control the empire and consolidate his power and so you can't rely on that it's just propaganda that's what they say because mm -hmm. if you remember this is where history is helpful the, the christians were persecuted the christianity was outlawed for many years the emperor constantine i think it was 314 mm. he had the he saw the sign of the cross and then eventually and converted and then out and then uh did the uh edict of toleration i think or something and and he basically allowed Christianity eventually become legal mm -hmm. and then it became the official religion, religion. of the Roman yeah. empire, which was a great victory for the Christians. Mm -hmm. And, um, then he did convene some councils because there were some discrepancies. He wanted to get kind of a cohesive idea, but here's the interesting thing. There was no council of churches or, or bishops or whatever in that time period mm -hmm. or before where they sat down and picked the 66 books of the Bible. Hmm. They didn't say, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. You hmm. know what they did was they basically affirmed what people were already using. Hmm. So the books had been circulating mm -hmm. and there were extra books that had been written and, and they were circulating around too. But when they all, but the churches, when they got together, they basically were like, these are the ones we use. These are the ones we sense are authoritative from the Holy spirit. And these others are interesting. I think they're helpful, but we don't sense that. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't like the emperor sat down and said, we're going to pick 66 books. So we're going to mm -hmm. only pick these books and we're going to do that. These were these, this was a result of hundreds of years of people mm -hmm. using the Bible and just reading different books of the new mm -hmm. Testament. And we're saying, yeah, this is what we sense God saying. These are the ones that we, we, we feel God, the, the Holy spirit's anointing and, and his uh, influence in these books. And so that's why, we got the Bible that we did. And so it's really important for people to understand that because they're often told it was somehow manipulated mm -hmm. in order to get us to do a particular thing. And so then it, it's used to discredit what's actually a very reliable source. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how does, how does knowing all that, knowing how we got the Bible, how it was written, how many authors, how many years, how does all of that play into my studying and my interpretation of the Bible. Well, it's not necessary for you to know all the facts and the figures and all of the 
you know, dates and everything mm-hmm. like that specifically. Like, mm-hmm. It's not necessary to know all that in order to study the Bible. But why I say all of that, I say it so that when you go to sit down and, and read your Bible, this is the important takeaway. You know, this is the Bible God intended us to read. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing. And if God intended us to read this, these books and these scriptures, then there must be something of value that needs to apply to my life Mm -hmm. today, to something I'm going to deal with today. There's going to be an application to that. There's going to be some takeaway. There's going to be something, even if it's not external or maybe internal, something I need to change about myself and my connection to God or some way in which I need to talk to my family differently or some way mm-hmm. I need to approach work differently. Those things are all there, but that's the most important thing about knowing all of this is that over 1500 years of scripture being written, there was one cohesive story of God and his revelation to the world of his love for us and his willingness to go to the extreme lengths in order to save us so that one day we can live forever with him. That's the cohesive story of the Bible from start to finish. Mm -hmm. You can go all the way back to the book of Genesis in chapter three, when Adam and Eve sin and God confronts them and he confronts uh, Satan. He says, he says to say, he says to the the woman, he says that you're going to have an offspring and to the, that it would, the, the, the Satan, the serpent would, would bite his heel, but he would crush its head. Mm Mm-hmm. That was the first inkling of God's plan to save the mm-hmm. world because that was a promise about Jesus. Yeah. That Jesus would maybe be injured but yet and die, but yet he would crush him. He would win. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. came back to life. So you see, even from the very beginning, yeah. or, or even look at the story. Let's go back to Eden. Look at the bookends of the Bible. Genesis and Revelation. Mm-hmm. Genesis begins with a garden, mm-hmm. which is essentially a picture of a temple. God's mm-hmm. presence is there. Mm-hmm. It kind of has this, this elements of a temple place. This is where God's presence, remember he said he would walk in the cool mm-hmm. of the day mm-hmm. with Adam and Eve. Well, God's presence would only exist within a temple right there. You know, mm-hmm. that's how people understood it back in the day. How does it end in the book of Revelation? With a garden. Mm-hmm. The world is pictured in that same sense. Mm-hmm. There's peace among the animals. God's yeah. presence is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the new Jerusalem, the dimensions match the Holy of Holies. Mm-hmm. So it's a temple. God's presence is with us. So even mm-hmm. when you look at books written in like somewhere around the revelation written somewhere around the end of the first century, mm-hmm. Genesis, who knows? I mean, it could have been written as much as uh, it could have been written as much as 1500 years before that, mm-hmm. potentially. 1,000, 1,500 before, and yet the story's bookend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It begins and ends with God's presence. It's one story Mm -hmm. that goes throughout, and it tells us of God's pursuit of us. Mm. And that is why we want to study the Bible and why we want to understand all of these backgrounds Mm -hmm. so that when we sit down and we read it, we know that we're reading something that that is truthful, reliable and has application to our life today mm-hmm. because there's certain elements of humanity in every century and every culture that's remained the same mm. in some ways, you know, like human nature. Mm-hmm. And in each book you see God dealing with that human nature and helping people through that. So it has application to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does 
someone who is either new to Christianity or has has been a Christian but wants to get to or read the Bible deeper, where does one start with that? Like what books or? Well, let's put it this way. The first thing to do is just to do it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people call it messy action. Mm. Sometimes we wait for perfection in order to do things. And you're first of all, you're never going to perfectly understand everything that's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been blessed to have the opportunity to study the Bible for years and years and years. And there's still things I'm constantly learning. There's still things I'm growing in, things I'm discovering about the Bible. And so you're never going to get it perfect. So the mm-hmm. first things first is to actually read your Bible every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just read yeah. it. Just start. And then after you're, and then as you're building that habit of daily reading, then as you begin to read in a chapter and you say to yourself, not hundred percent sure what that meant, or why did God direct this writer to say this? Or why, who was he even talking to? Mm-hmm. Well, from there, then maybe you, you dig a little bit with mm-hmm. a trusted resource you know, like a commentary or a Bible dictionary mm-hmm. or something like that. There's some good online resources. BibleGateway.com actually is a great way to, it has tons of translations on there as well as resources you can use mm-hmm. that are already within this whole website. So you just begin to dig a little and you're like, okay, what if I look here? And then you read a little bit and you understand a little bit more. And so you, it's a good place sometimes just to start with your questions. So read every day. It's going to be a little messy. You may not understand everything, but there's still value to it as sometimes God's doing things inside of us. The Holy Spirit's working inside of us. He's making up for, he's filling in gaps. Mm -hmm. He's making Mm -hmm. up for things where we're missing stuff and helping us. But then as we put in the effort, you know, he's going to honor that and and bless us even more. Mm -hmm. And so I like to begin with questions. So you, you read, read your daily Bible reading. When you have a question, just try to find an answer. Look mm-hmm. for that answer and say, uh, explore. You become curious. That's really the best thing is become curious about the Bible. Don't look at the Bible as a chore to be, let me get through my Bible reading today. Mm-hmm. Look at it more like, I wonder why. Mm-hmm. You remember like when you're a kid and you always wondered why things were yeah. the way they were and you always wanted to discover. As we get older, we tend to lose that curiosity a little bit. And as a Christian, especially when you're a new Christian, you're essentially like a child again. I mean, in mm-hmm. fact, the Bible refers to new Christians like babes in Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you, you should take on that curiosity of a child. I mean, if you think about it, Jesus says to enter the kingdom of God, you should be like a child. Mm-hmm. There's elements of childhood that really apply to Christianity in the sense of just the wonder yeah. mm-hmm. and the awe and the excitement and the curiosity. If you approach yeah. the Bible with that kind of attitude, then it can lead you down. They can actually get you excited to learn learn more. So, and it's one of those things where you got to understand too, you're not going to learn it all in a day. Uh So if you don't understand everything about the Bible, that's okay Mm -hmm. immediately. What you're going to do is you're just going to build every day. Think about it as you're building a building for your life. You can't build it in one day. Mm. You build it brick by brick. So every day you're just adding a new brick to the foundation. Mm -hmm. You're just building yourself up in God's word by learning a little something more, Mm -hmm. digging just a little bit deeper. And you're Mm -hmm. just adding continually to that building. But it's what happens. It happens with tons of things in life where 
uh, not just Bible reading, but I mean, even like when people try to diet or something, they go crazy yeah. and then burn out. Yeah. You're not trying to learn every aspect of the new Testament or old Testament one day. You're just mm -hmm. going to say, what's this one question I had from today's Bible reading? Mm -hmm. What if yeah. I just answered one question? Yeah. Hmm. What could I do that will deepen your, your understanding of God's word and probably give you some really valuable application. Yeah. yeah. I've got kind of a philosophical question because in hearing how we got the Bible we have now and, mm -hmm. and how it was protected throughout history, I get this sense of there was this extreme reverence for scripture and people gave their lives to protect it, you know, with the letters of Paul, they, they would have to hide them. And I, part of me wonders if we have sort of traded our high esteem and reverence for the Bible for accessibility. And now that it is at my fingertips all the time, if because of that, I don't always necessarily see it as the inspired word of God. Do you have any thoughts on that? Or, or if so, how do I get to the place where this isn't just the Bible app on my phone? This isn't just the book my parents gave me when I was, you know, getting baptized. It's the inspired word of God. How do I get to a place like that? Um, I think there, there is an element to where we get so comfortable with having access and now even more so. Hmm. So it's a good and a bad thing. It's a good thing that we have access. I mean, I carry my iPad. I literally, with the Bible program I have for my iPad, I literally have thousands of resources at my fingertips. Mm -hmm. I have dozens and dozens of Bibles at my mm -hmm. fingertip, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. But you got to remember throughout most of human history uh, the, or church history, people had little to no access to the Bible mm -hmm. other than when they went to church and were read to. One, because many people were illiterate mm -hmm. for a long mm -hmm. time, or even if they were literate, they didn't have access to the copies because of the cost. I think they said even in the Middle Ages, a, a copy of the Bible could be the same cost as a, a moderate uh, house. Hmm. So people just couldn't access it. Mm -hmm. um, and then for, for many years in the church, it wasn't written in the language of the people. And hmm. it took a long time for that to happen. Mm -hmm. yeah. So people had a certain level of respect because it was and, and reverence for it because they understood it was God's word, but they also saw the scarcity of it, the, the value of it that, you know, this is really special. Mm -hmm. I don't have access to this. So, so when I do, I'm going to treat it mm -hmm. the way it deserves. So I think what we should do is just be very grateful for what we have and take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. I can imagine what Paul would have done with the internet. <laughs> And look yeah. what he did, you know, with parchment and, you know, m mailing letters to, to people essentially, which had to be mm -hmm. not through a postal service, but just delivered, mm -hmm. you know, carried from a messenger across ships. Yeah. And look what he was able to accomplish. We have even more available to us. So in some ways we have uh, more of a responsibility, mm -hmm. I think, to use what we've been given wisely. Mm -hmm. and to steward the resources we've been given. So I think it's important that we approach in that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I think that this is a great place to start when we're learning, you know, how to study the Bible and why we should study the Bible. I love learning about how it came into our hands. Because um, mm -hmm. that really gives me perspective yeah. on really just the, the gravity of what we're dealing with, you know. Um, so I, I, this has been a great talk um, mm -hmm. and I'm excited to, to learn more about how yeah. we study our Bible. All right, thanks, appreciate it.